Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Ars Blog Arscast right here on arsblog.com. I hope you're well after what has been a, an amazing week. All those celebrations, we just wish that something could bring us back down to earth from this cloud nine we've been living on since the last Arscast. It's just, it's just been too much, man, all that partying and like, whoo, yeah, it hasn't been much fun really at all, has it? No. Um, since we last spoke... Well, last week we were talking about winning our last seven games. And, uh, well, now we're talking about winning our last five games. We haven't lost a game. But we've done things in such a way that it makes the drawing seem bad. There's two ways to draw, really, isn't there? There's being ahead and letting a lead slip, which is always terrible. And there's the being behind and coming back to draw, which isn't so terrible. It's not particularly brilliant. Depending on the circumstances, of course, it could be quite brilliant indeed if you were losing 1-0 on the final day of the season and just needed a point to win the title and you came back and won. Well, that's, that's fantastic. That's the happiest draw you can have. Coming back from 2-0 down against West Brom is nice. It's good. Scoring two goals, I like it. But it's still not quite good enough, is it? And this week we've contrived to throw away two leads, which... Um, well, I don't know. I'm flabbergasted. Really? Particularly uh, at what happened in the Liverpool game, where we never really looked like scoring, and then in the 97th minute, we get a penalty and we score it, and, and only Arsenal could score in the 98th minute and not win the game. And I was sitting watching the game with the Mug Smasher, and, and even he was just sitting there, kind of slack-jawed more than usual, and just shaking his head and saying, what's wrong with your team? And I said to him, if I knew the answer to that, I could probably make myself quite rich by solving the problem. Everyone else thinks they've got the answer. Everyone's got an opinion, right? We could do this. We could buy this player. We could get a new number two. We could, I don't know, change our shirts or wear rocket-powered boots. Everyone's got an opinion. But if you really knew what was wrong with them and you could fix it, you could make yourself a very rich man indeed. Arsene looks desperate at the moment. He would, he'd take it. If you rang him up and said, meet me in a dark alley at half seven, and you emerged from the shadows and said, this is how you fix your team, but I want this much money. And he'll say, well, I'll give you this much, and then you raise the price. You don't come down, you raise, no, it's just gone up 250 grand. He'd pay it. Because there's something really wrong with them. I mean, Seriously. 98th minute penalty and you still don't win the game. We invent new ways to throw away points. It's, uh, it's remarkable, really. Uh, maybe that's our gift. Maybe this is what happens when you grow a team together. Uh, from young players to sort of medium experienced players. Maybe this is what happens. Maybe that's why nobody's ever done it. 
These are the consequences. Maybe somebody did it many years ago in Uruguay. And he's sitting over there. He's looking and he's going, oh, I should have told him. I should, should have just picked up the phone and told him. But no, he'd never have listened anyway. He would have thought I was mad. Imagine bringing it. I said, look, if you do this, strange things will happen. Like, you know, you'll be 4-0 up in a game and at half time, and you still won't win it. Yeah, get lost, crazy man from Uruguay. You don't know what you're talking about. <sighs> he's drinking a glass of wine now, and maybe he's got regrets. Maybe he's a Man United fan. Maybe he's Diego Forland's father. Who knows? But if anybody knew, they should have spoken up. And then, of course, North London Derby and 3-1 up. All very nice. 3-1. 3-1. Leading. And conceding two goals almost immediately after scoring our ones. And then the penalty. and That, that was painful too. Apart from Chesney's save by Scrotum, which remains my highlight of the match. How that didn't go through his legs, I have no idea. Because, uh, what's his name, Sandra, he lashed that from really quite not far out. That's terrible English, I know, but he wasn't very far away from the goal, is what I'm trying to say. And it was going through his legs and... And then Arsene talks about mental strength, and everyone goes, Oh, please, stop talking about mental strength. The best way I can describe it, or how it feels to me at the moment, is do you remember when that uh, Wet, Wet, Wet song from Robin Hood was number one, the Feel It In Your Fingers song? For, I don't know, what, four months? And every time you turn on the radio, it was on, and every time you turned on Top of the Pops, it was on... And you just couldn't escape that song. And that's what it feels like. Arsene talking about mental strength is the wet, wet, wet of football jargon at this moment in time. I suppose the one thing that we could take some small comfort in is that the guy from Wet, Wet, Wet went on to become a, a heroin addict. Maybe, well, no, that's not comforting at all. That's the idea that Arsene could be a, a heroin addict in years to come. But that's what it's like. I'm feeling it in my fingers and in my toes. I do not want to hear about mental strength. And whatever you say about uh, throwing a lead away against Liverpool in the circumstances in which we did and Spurs and Newcastle and the Carling Cup final, whatever about those games not showing mental strength, the real mental strength is when you get into this part of the season. And a team that has proper mental strength will win some of the games that we drew. Look at 97-98. We won games. We won, I don't know, how many did we win in a row? Nine or ten games in a row to take the title? That's mental strength. That was a team that had mental strength, but it was also a team that had experience. And this is a team that lacks experience. And that's something we'll touch on in a few moments' time as we talk to our guest this week. Uh, that's good player. He'll be along very shortly. Uh, but to take us there, here's Internet Joe. Oi, and here's me 30 second round up. Liverpool at home, gotta win, come on lads. Oh, we're never gonna score. Get up, Kyrie, yeah, just eight minutes of injury time, come on. Penalty, Robin, yay, we're gonna win, deadly. Hey, what the fuck was that? No, Spores away, we gotta win. 3 1 up, our waiting for an easy win here. 3 3 at the end, what's going on? I have no frame of reference for the emotional turmoil I feel. 
More from Internet Joe on next week's Arscast. And, and speaking of um, internets and things like that, um, recent results haven't, haven't done much for everybody's humour, but um, have you met the angriest man on Twitter? Um, I presume everybody has somebody like this on their timeline, but there's one guy in particular on mine who sent me the odd message, and I, I'm never quite sure how to respond um, because they're so... Yeah, there's just a sense of... Uh, intense anger off them. I went back to check his timeline and it's just basically a tirade at at anything and anyone at any time. Not just about Arsenal, but politics and entertainment and every single one of the messages that he posts on Twitter is just angry, really, really angry. And I understand people being frustrated about football and everything else, but Jesus, you need to Chill out a bit, angriest man on Twitter guy. And if you're thinking it's you, it's not you. Someone else. If you think you might know who it is, nah, it's not him either. It's someone else. But he is angry. Very, very, very angry indeed. Um, I hope it's just a persona, really. Because if he's that angry in real life, then it must be awful being him. Ah, my dinner is not quite as delicious as I had hoped it would be. This book I'm reading is only mildly entertaining. Arr! To Twitter. Yeah, but anyway, I'm hoping we win a game as much for his sake as everybody else's. But then it would probably be, we only won four now. So anyway, um, there's the angriest guy on Twitter. He's around. Uh, now, though, to uh, discuss the events of the week and everything else that's been going on, uh, here is Good Player from GoodPlayer.com. Hello there. Hi there. Let's start with Spurs. We've got to start there. Arsenal 3-1 up, away from home. For the second time this season, they let a two-goal lead slip. Uh, drew the game 3-3. That's five draws in the last six league games. Um, it's all very familiar, and for a team with ambitions of winning the title, that is not championship-winning form. No, I think Arsenal well and truly put to bed the idea that you can only afford to lose a certain number of games. It's not really about how many games you lose, it's about how many you draw. The parallels with the 2007-2008 season are there for everyone to see. We we lost the title that year, basically, by killing ourselves with draws and we're doing the same this year. And you say it was the, f- the second time this season where it's been, we've been two goals in the lead and they've come back. Well, that's just Tottenham. <laughs> There's been Newcastle, of course, etc. Mm. And It's all too familiar a, a story. And it feels like we need to sit down and, and kind of take that first step that alcoholics do and admit we have a problem because I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not, I'm not sure the manager's yet done that. Um, I think it's apparent for everyone else to see. Publicly, uh, we know the way that Arsene operates. He... He uh, he talks about the team in positive terms, and I think you know he never uh, is too critical of anybody, of any individual, of the team collectively. There doesn't seem to be any sort of public uh, chastising of them, and that's the way he operates. We we know that. Um, but you talk about us having a problem, and I think there is one because you you look at the uh, the Blackpool game a couple of weeks ago. We're two 0 up at half time. We concede a goal, and immediately you can see the team panic, this sort of thing spread throughout the side. Blackpool could sense that. They could see it clearly. And I think a better side would have gotten back into the game the same way that Spurs did on, on Wednesday night. Um, Arsene then talks about the team's mental strength. 
and this is a, becoming a bone of contention, regardless of how he talks the team up in interviews, post-game, and, and how he likes to keep things in-house. Uh, going on and on about the team's mental strength when it's quite clear that this is something they lack is only going to cause more frustration. That's true. I mean, show, show me a team who are losing and, and whose fans are happy with everything their manager says, and I'd, I'd be surprised if you could find one. It go, the two go hand in hand, but it, it, it is surprising. It, it, it feels like he's fighting fighting a petty low-level battle in the way that and it, he probably feels that sometimes the team get too much stick. And, and, and I suppose occasionally they do. You know, a lot of people are incapable of just accepting that occasionally football teams can see goals. Occasionally football teams take the lead and lose a lead. You know, mm-hmm. one of my readers wrote to me the other day and said, do you remember Leicester three, Arsenal three in, 99, in something like August 1997? You know, mm-hmm. when we had that great team and we, we kind of conceded two very late goals. It does happen. He... But he, the overarching thing is there, and he, his public pronouncements are strange. You worry that he's not challenged enough, that he really does believe them. I sometimes worry when I see every time there's a penalty given against us that he, he just appears incandescent that this could be given. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and there's a, a slight detachment there from, from a certain reality. And, you know, it, it's difficult. It, it is frustrating when he keeps saying that because it's, it's abundantly not the case. At the same time, you don't want to talk your, talk your boys down either. And they did, in fairness to him, give him some kind of a response on Wednesday night. Um, they didn't, you know, this wasn't one of the terrible Arsenal performances. They really did go for it. No, there's only one other side that scored three goals or more at White Hart Lane this season. And that was our Carling Cups team. So, you know, it wasn't, we didn't do nothing last night. And so, you know, he'll feel that in some sense he was justified, but, but it does great. I agree. Um, I mean, you, you have to wonder, I mean, he's, he's put together a, a team of, you know, intelligent young men. They can't necessarily believe it either. I mean, surely they need at times to hear something different. I'm sure on the training ground, et cetera, et cetera, they do. Uh, but I think he does like to reinforce the positive side of things, and he'll point to West Brom away, for example, where the team came back late and drew 2-2, but you know, then you've got the counterbalance of that is that the team maybe shouldn't have been uh, two goals down uh, against a team like West Brom when you're going for the title. However, he does look a man who is under some serious pressure. Clearly, the going out of all the competitions has weighed heavily on him and fans and everybody. That's understandable, too. But it seems like an accumulation of things that he doesn't necessarily seem as together as he has in the past. And we've uh, seen in recent weeks some of the uh, some of the press guys aren't particularly happy because access to him has been restricted. And I don't know whether there's just a weight of things that he's not as well able to cope as he was in the past. I think it'd be strange if he wasn't asking himself questions. I mean, our our failure to win a trophy over the last however many years has, has been quite an achievement in some ways. We've been, <laughs> you know, I mean, we haven't been middling, you know, in mid-table or anything. You know, we've got to a few cup finals. We've got very far in quite a lot of cup competitions. You know, we've kind of challenged for the title. We're six points behind with five games to go. It's it's not where we'd want to be, but it's a lot better than a lot of people, you know. Um, and, and so he must be, he should be wondering, well, why can't we do this? What is it that's missing about this? Because it's not, we're not a million miles behind. And I, we look at some, you know, I know we all think there are players that need to be shipped out. And I think there, are, there probably are a few, but, but we're not a terrible squad. You know, mm. we're not, nothing of the sort. And that, that's a frustrating thing in a way. And I imagine that's very frustrating for him. And 
in the in this kind of maelstrom, and it, it's very difficult, I imagine, for him to take a step back. And he feels, I imagine, he feels he's fighting something of a PR offensive kind of because. You know, the, the, I, I feel sorry for him slightly in the way that we, we went out of those three cup competitions so so near each other. And you, you must have looked across at Redknapp last night and Redknapp went out of the Carling Cup in August. Mm. The 4-1 at home to us, no less, went out to Fulham in the FA Cup in January, 4-0 away and, and got thumped 5-0 in the Champions League. Um, you know, he admittedly did very well in the Champions League up until that stage. And 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 yet, you know, he would have seen at White Hart Lane last night, everything looked rosy in the God, despite the fact that they may well achieve less than what they achieved last season if they don't qualify for the Champions League. And so he's fighting, sometimes it feels to me, he's fighting a small battle against the press, against the rest of us. And I, struggle, I, th- I hope he's seen Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A big picture. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not really. I mean, that, that comparison. Obviously, you can say, "Well, we're better off than eighteen other teams or seventeen other teams," as it is now being down into third place. And you can you can make that comparison, and I think that's uh, justified in a way. But of course, you know, you set a, a level of uh, expectation uh, by doing what you did in the past, and obviously. Uh, the benchmark, if people are using the Invincibles as a benchmark, I think that's rather unfair because it really was once-in-a-lifetime stuff. But for me, you know, it's really not the... uh, It's not the lack of achievement that frustrates as much as how we fail to achieve, if you get what I mean. The Carling Cup final, uh, the 07-08 season when we were ahead and really should have won the league and you know, again, couldn't find the the inner strength, the mental strength to to win one or two of the games that we drew in that period to, to go ahead and do it. And really, this Arsenal team, it must be the only team in football that can score the first goal of the game in the 98th minute and still not win the game, that we somehow contrive not to take three points. And I don't want to go into whether it was a penalty or not a penalty, because I know our views on this differ, but it is symptomatic of this side that something like that could happen to us. No, I I, I absolutely agree on that. And I mean, what what we definitely agree on on that instant is that that, um, that we should never have, you know, once Skesney got the ball from her goal kick, we should never have, put ourselves under the kind of pressure that we did mm. put ourselves you know and that that undoubtedly whatever your view of the penalty was it was symptomatic of our problems that we suddenly created a panic where there really shouldn't have been any great panic whatsoever um and and so that, that's a great worry i mean it's it's it seems to be getting worse rather than better um i think i mean i think it's the kind of thing that's crackable 
to be honest, you know, yes, it, it might take some input from outside, someone else to come along, you know, to work with the players, um, et cetera. It's the kind of thing that's crackable, I think, but, but it is, it, it's, it's incredibly, you know, we, we do snatch defeat from the jaws of victory with alarming frequency. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, every time it's, it's different and something amazingly different. And, you know, it's, Maybe you could compare it to that uh, run of form that Fabianski had last season where he was chucking them in from here, there and everywhere. Clearly not a, a terrible keeper, as he proved this season. He, he played quite well. But just, you know, when things like that start to happen, they sort of snowball in a way. But we, we talk about maybe a solution. Between now and the end of the season, there is nothing we can do, only hope the players redouble their efforts and, you know, a little more common sense is applied in certain situations. Like you talk about Chesney having the ball there after after we scored the goal, we should have kept possession, uh, hack the ball clear rather than play it out of defence at times, etc., etc. But come the summer... There is a massive, massive onus on Arsenal. And I know there are a lot of people now who who are advocating a change of manager. Realistically, it's not going to happen this summer uh, unless something ridiculous occurs between now and the end of the season. And let's hope it doesn't. But he's got to uh, look at solutions in the summer. Uh, you talk about outside help, whether that's a new number two. But more importantly than that, uh, the issue for me is that he's got to address the imbalance in the squad and one that hasn't been addressed, and that is youth versus experience. And you just feel that with one or two more experienced heads in the squad and in the side, more importantly, we can talk about the benefit of having Jens Lehmann around the dressing room, but having one or two more experienced players in the squad, somebody who on Sunday when we had the ball could say, now just calm it down, slow it down, keep the ball. That's where he's got to do his work this summer. Maybe, yeah, but there's experience in that team now. I mean, no, but ex- experience of what? You know, I know Van Persie is 27 and Cesc has played 300 games, but none of them have gone the distance in any competition, bar the FA Cup, and, and Robin was a substitute, and Cesc, was he a substitute that day as well? And, and the World Cup. and European Yeah, well, Champions. okay, but look who, look who Cesc has got around him when he's playing for Spain. No, no, no I, I, I agree on that point. It's difficult. I think it's easier said than done to say that you can bring in players with great experience full stop if you like i mean you kind of look and you you wonder who perhaps but i i don't think i don't think it's an experience thing i think it's a mentality thing i think it's i think you could teach a a team of 16 year olds to do not make some of the mistakes that we make in terms of the way we approach things when we have when we have that lead i think i think something needs to change uh there needs whether it's new number two or what, or a new manager, or whatever. I, there has to be a change of, of of input, if you like. There has to be something new, something fresh going in. I I, I struggle to believe that, the, that it's inexperience which is costing us in that sense. I just think it's a it's something which is not being communicated. Something is not being communicated properly sure. to the team in some way. But, but I mean, what you talk about it, it not being uh, or inexperience not being a factor. That was a factor on Sunday when Chesney had the ball. And he hoofed it long. And when we didn't challenge for that ball and when on the edge of the box, we tried to play it instead of just hacking it clear. And I know exactly what you're talking about when you talk about a change of mentality. But I think there are players in this squad who can't change their mentality. Their mentality or their mental strength, as, you know, to use that horrible phrase, they don't have much or it's weak. You know, yeah. so by, I don't know that you can change what's there 
you know, at this point, because with some of them you have to cut your losses, you've got to bring in players who have a little bit more experience. It's easy to say, well, look, you can bring an experienced player here, there, and everywhere, and that will, you know, solve the problem. It, it might, it may not, but you've got to look at doing things in a different way now because trying to grow the team together hasn't quite worked. And I, I take your point that, you know, we're absolutely not a terrible team. You don't get to where we've got this season by being terrible, but you've got to address the obvious flaws. No, I, th- I, I, I th- you are right. I think, I think you're right. And I mean, I, I'd more look, for, I suppose what I'd more look for is, you know, you could argue Scalacci or Archivin have, have got that experience. If sure. you like. I'm, I'm not quite sure either of them are the answers to it. I think the more players like Wilshire and Ramsey, and this has got nothing to do with them being British in any way, because I think Sesk has it and I think Nasri has it probably to an extent as well. The more players with that kind of uh, gumption, that kind of, uh, that kind of drive that who've provided consistently. I think, I think that would really do us a lot of favors. You know, I think there are, there are players in the squad who, who are mentally weak, I'm afraid to say, who have been yeah. indulged for too long, who, you know, you wouldn't ever take into battle with you if, you know, um, and I think that needs, I think that is a big problem and that contributes and, you know, and I'm not sure now's the time to, I don't think now's the time to go into individuals, etc. because, you know, I'm one of the few people who thinks there, there still is a title to be fought for. Um, so, so I'm, I'm reluctant to kind of go into a forensic analysis of each player, but, but no, I think, I think we agreed that, that something has to change basically, but I, I'm just someone who's always resistant to the idea that the easy answer always seems to be to buy new players. And I'm, I always remember the end of the 2000, 2001 season. So exactly 10 years ago, everyone was screaming at Wenger, buy new players, buy the Fox in the box, do all that. He bought, he went out, he bought Campbell, he bought, uh, Jeffers, Van Bronckhorst, Inamoto, uh, and one other player. Richard Wright. And Richard Wright. And basically, what happened at it? Sol Campbell was a roaring success, no doubt about it. But what actually happened was that Thierry Henry cleared the mental block, started taking all of his chances. You know, Pires came to the fore, etc. Lindbergh came to the fore. And, and so I'm, I'm a believer that the answer doesn't always lie in changing what you have, in changing the personnel. You, you need to be able to get more out of them. And I, I, I simply can't believe that most of those players in our team are, are not capable of, of defending sure. properly in the 90th minute, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing you could say maybe about that, uh, th- that little group of purchases was that it, it provided competition and, and a little bit of inspiration for the players who were there, you know, just sort of augmented the squad. And while none of them, apart from Saul, I think were, were really, truly outstanding success, it showed that the manager was willing to address some of the issues by getting rid of some players and bringing some new ones in. And maybe that just keeps players on their toes and perhaps that might be a benefit to us. Uh, let's look ahead very quickly to the weekend. Bolton, Sunday, um, Adol. Quite easily. Unfortunately, they're the kind of team, they're the kind of team by Kevin Davis who will respond very well to losing 5-0 to Stoke in the FA Cup, actually. Whereas, whereas we'd probably mope and go into our shells. They'll, they'll be really up for it and, and really go for it. The thing is, what we have to do, basically, the ball is now in Man United's court. They've got Everton at home Saturday lunchtime. Everton are actually in very good form. They haven't lost in seven games. They've won five of those seven games. I, I don't expect Everton to get a result, but if they, if they can do something and then we can do something, you know, who knows, basically. I think the key thing is if we can take, if we can stop, I know this sounds incredibly optimistic, but if we can stop the lead from getting any bigger, this weekend, 
then look, we're going to have to beat United at home, fine. But but then then you go and and see what happens, and you know United will see how they respond. They they haven't scored for two games. Um, you know, we just have to we have to wait and see what happens there. We mustn't give up like we did last season, which was so dispiriting when we did that at Wigan and at Blackburn, mm. and that you know that's just unacceptable to see. And I think it's frustrating when you see that we really can raise our game to proper levels like we did in the first half in particular at White Hart Lane. Um, and it's frustrating when you, when, when that's the rarity rather than the exception, rather than the norm, if you like. All right. Uh, well, let's hope for better things at the weekend. Good player. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers indeed to Good Player. You can find him, of course, on goodplayer.com or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash goodplayer. Uh, this weekend we play Bolton. We'll be looking ahead to that game very shortly right now. Mick Bentner. It's the Mick Bentner Show with me, Mick Bentner. I'm deadly. Hello there, I'm Mick Bentner, and I'm the greatest striker that ever lived. I'm better than Eusebio, Gianfranco Zola, Robbie Fowler, and TT Camera. This week, because it's a very special holiday, Easter, I thought I'd recreate what it would be like if I was Jesus. And here comes Mick Bannor, up the hill at Cavalry, carrying the cross. He's so sure-footed, he doesn't fall once. The crown of thorns doesn't even bother him at all. He gets to the top of the hill, puts the cross down. The Romans come over and say, sorry about this, Mick Bannor. We've got to nail you to the cross. That's all right, lad, says Mick Bannor. You're just doing your job. I know how it is. Look me, scoring goals from here, there and everywhere. I am Mick Bannor, the greatest striker in the world. I know what it's like. And they nail him to the cross. Not even a whimper. And they put him up there and he's hanging around for ages waiting to die and there's a thief to the right of him and a bloke with dodgy tax returns to the left of him and he's going ah oh, this is so painful this is so painful and Mick Bernard says shut up Harry no one wants to hear you and three hours later he still hasn't died and the Romans come over and they put a spear in his side and they say Mick Bernard Mick Bernard we love you we love you but you got to die now please we gotta go home do Roman things and then Mick Bernard says oh god oh god where are your forceps and God says don't worry in three days you'll be recreated and McBernar says three days you having a laugh or what I'm gonna do it in two days because you know I'm the Messiah it's the McBernar show with me McBernar I'm deadly so Bolton away on Sunday and this is gonna be a difficult game Uh, for a number of reasons one Bolton got spanked in the FA Cup semi-final by Stoke 5-0, that has got to hurt. So they will be out to put things right for their fans who would have been looking at the lineup in the FA Cup and, you know, at the very least, they would have been hoping was a place in the final. None of the big guys in it, only Manchester City there. And, you know, they don't have any great history of winning anything. So, yeah, they'll be out to put things right on Sunday because 5-0 to Stoke has got to hurt. Even if you're not an Arsenal, I presume everybody hates Stoke simply for being Stoke. I, I imagine that to be true. And from our point of view, it's difficult because, well, we've had a number of disappointments. We've only won two games in the last 10, something like that. I don't know what it is. It's a stat that I don't particularly want to look up. But we can't buy a win at this moment in time. We've drawn a lot of games. We haven't lost many. uh, But we just can't seem to win. And uh, if there is a chance to win, we seem to hand it right back. And uh, we've got to hope that we get over that. In terms of what uh, happens this weekend, we could go into that game nine points behind Manchester United 
with Manchester United to play next weekend. If, by some miracle, Everton beat Manchester United, we could close that gap to three points and play Manchester United next weekend, which would make everything, well, interesting. I don't have any great expectation that that will happen, I should say. And even if it did, the way we're playing at the moment, uh, 4-4 draw or something like that, we just hand the initiative straight back to them. But until it's over, it's not over. So let's uh, keep everything crossed. And you just never know what might happen in football. Um, it would be the biggest miracle since... Um, I don't know. I can't think of one that would be that big. So uh, that's it. No team news as of yet. Whoever we've got, we've got. And whoever we've got has to go out there and win that game on Sunday. So let's keep everything crossed that they can do that. Uh, In the meantime, have yourselves a very pleasant weekend, a pleasant Easter weekend. Uh, Don't eat too much chocolate, and I'll talk to you on next week's Arscast. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Join us as we take another enchanting adventure into the world of the angriest man on Twitter. Oi, random celebrity, you are shit at whatever it is you do. Hey, why won't you answer me? Ignorant cunt. Next week, another madcap laugh-a-minute romp with the angriest man on Twitter. Everything is shit! A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.